Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozloff. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Already now. Good morning, church! Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Awesome. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Let me, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll try to compose myself together. All right, okay, that's helpful. My name is Dennis Kozlov. I'm an associate pastor. Good. Union with Christ. That's the series messages that we're doing. Uh, well, first of all, let me update you a little bit. I just came back from Florida last week. And let me tell you, I had a great time. Two weeks prior to that, I mean, a month ago, the war has started. And I was devastated by the war that started. It was very difficult for me to bring myself even to the surface of worshiping God again. I was so, it was bad. Uh, but in the very night that I was pretty low, God used us here to see the miracle happen when a blind person actually gained her sight. Jesus is real no matter what happens. So I went to Florida, and in Florida we went to this young Ukrainian church. Every single person that then was from Ukraine. And I'm the Russian dude. And like we, we, we cried together, we laughed together, we prayed together. And by the end of the trip, everybody wants me to move to Florida and live with them. <laughs> so that's what Christian community is like. All right? That's a great. And thank you for your prayers. I know some of you prayed, prayed for us there. So now I don't have to pay for a hotel anymore. I'm like Lyndon, Pastor Lyndon. I can go minister to Florida, and I have many friends to accommodate me. Well, anyway, let's get back to our message. <clears throat> We're talking about the union with Christ. And it's rather a difficult topic to talk about. It's really hard to talk about it, but I'll try my best today. I want to start with a passage in the second book of Corinthians, second letter to Corinthians by Paul Chapter 5, verse 17. Let's read it. You all heard this. It's been preached to you many times, but I'm going to preach it to you one more time. Therefore, Paul says, he's bringing a summary to a previous conversation. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is the reality of every Christian. Anyone who identifies himself with Christ and calls himself a Christian should claim the reality of this verse. The old has passed, the new life has come. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this new life because it's been used and abused in Christian community. It's probably the most common name for church today, new life. How many of you have heard of church called new life? There are a bunch of new life churches. That's probably the most, one of the most common names for Christian churches, Christian organizations. But it tells me that it's a, it's, it's a, a, it's a common belief. Everybody knows that, but nobody can really say things about that. So I'll try to say a few things about that. New life is, well, let's look at some of the common ways of understanding what this new life is. I want you to see some of the common views that exist in Christian community, what this new life in Christ is. 
And I want you to compare those views to what the Bible reveals about it. And I want you to maybe change your thinking about it. Well, I'll start with the most common and popular way of thinking. Gospel as a second chance. How many of you heard the gospel as a second chance message? And it sounds good if you don't think about it too much. Let me show you something. When my daughter Vika, Victoria, youngest daughter, was born, we had a baby shower. And at the baby shower, they gave us a bunch of gifts, toys for kids. So one of the toys she got was this little bunny. Oh, you go, oh, it's cute, right? Well, she thought it's the cutest thing ever. So she wouldn't, she wouldn't let go of that thing. She would sleep with that. She wouldn't fall asleep if that little bunny was not in her hands. Nap time, night time, she would grab it, she would hold it, she was cute, this was cute. But after several months of usage, that thing became dirty. That thing was not cute anymore. My wife tried to wash it, my wife tried to do many things. You know, you can wash it real hard and destroy it. She didn't want to destroy it. Well, anyway, forward a few years later, she's about three, she still loves that thing. And that thing is like hard to maintain now. We, we, we took a trip to New York City, and my wife stopped into, stepped into a toy store, and guess what we found? <laughs> Look at that. Do you see the difference? I mean, we found identical bunny, but brand new, like not used at all, like no tear and wear, no, no smeared, no soil, soiled. It's just beautiful, right? But then what happened? So our idea was to replace this one. But then my wife got sentimental and she said, no, how about we keep it for our first grandchild? Oh, we're so sentimental here. So here's what I want you to remember. That's the view that many Christians have about Christian life. So when they read the verse, uh, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. They think of this model. They think they were this. They were cute one time, long time ago, and then they had too many life experiences that soiled them. They, they have done too many things that kind of compromised them and corrupted them, and now they're not cute any longer in God's eyes. They're not acceptable. And somehow when they hear the gospel, this thing happened, and they got a second chance. Isn't that a good news? No, it's not. Because what's going to happen to this guy? The same thing's going to happen. How many chances do you need? Three, maybe five, seven, seventy times seven? This model is not going to work, guys. This is not the gospel. This is not the gospel. So that's just the logic of it. And many people turn this life, that's many people, what they believe the Christian life is, they, they experience some joy and hopeful expectations in the beginning of their Christian walk. But then after a couple of years, all the joy is gone. And some of them try to read the Bible and understand how it works. And they try to wash this little bunny of theirs, like by confession or something, but it doesn't come back. They read, well, anyway, you got the idea. So... 
Even the logic of it is not working. But let me tell you something. Even the, the language of the New Testament, when we read this verse, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Let me tell you something. In Greek language, and that's the language that the New Testament is written in, there, there are two Greek words for the word that is rendered as new in English language. One is neos, another one is kainos. I'll pretend like I'm an expert in Greek, okay? You pretend like you believe. Actually, I have a degree in the... Don't worry about it. Like, I know what I'm talking about. Just trust me on this one. You can check it on the computer program. So this one is not neos. This is kainos. So what is neos? Neos is this thing. It, it's, it's new in relation to time. So we got this way earlier than we got that one. That's neos. Neos, this word is not used in this verse. What word is used is kainos. Kainos means not, not a newer version of the same bunny, but a whole different thing. It's kainos. When Jesus told the servants to put water in the stone jars, and this water was transformed into, that was not a new water. That was totally new thing. Listen, that is the gospel. When it says that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, it's not talking about a new, cleaner version of the same old you. It's talking about a whole new story, whole new character, whole new nature, whole new substance. So that's, so I, I hope that I debunk this false view of what the gospel is. It's not just cleaning you up and giving you a second chance. Forget about that. It's not going to work. It never works, and it will never work for you. The second, a little better version of what the gospel is that many Christians believe, it's, it's, a, it's a changed attitude of hearts. You lived in a certain way. You had certain ways. You were established and set in your ways. You had certain habits. And then you were, sh you were shaken by how much God loved you and manifested this love through Christ Jesus on the cross of Christ. And you realized how much in debt you were to God and how much He has done to pay your debt. And your heart got filled with gratitude. And gratitude, my friend, is a great power to transform your life and your habits. It's a wonderful thing to deal with a person who is grateful right so Christians and sure enough yes I, I totally agree we as Christians should be very grateful people it's like it's like having a great financial difficulty not just a small difficulty I wouldn't even call it difficulty I would say an overwhelming an avalanche like financial problem that you buried yourself with it's so overwhelming that you cannot have any future ahead of you I hope none of you experienced that, but I know some people experience such a big level financial debt that they can't really dream about anything in life. They have no future. They have no hope. All they think is these numbers that are right in their face. When I moved to the States, I, before I moved to the States, I visited States many, many times, and I loved it. That's why I moved, finally. But when I moved, one person extended his hand to me and said, Welcome, fellow taxpayer. <laughs> and that was a new story that I had to learn about tax returns and all of that. And we're in the middle of the season. For the first several years, we made so little 
Well, it wasn't little, little. It was okay, but because I was the only family member who had the legal right to work, none of the family members could work, so I was the only source of income. So every year we got a nice tax return. That was nice. That was like a bonus. But then, like, we got our green card, we got established, we became uh, permanent res residents here, and uh, people started working in our family, and we come to do the tax returns, and all of a sudden I learned, you owe us. <laughs> that was an unpleasant surprise. Well, anyway, I'm not going to develop it too long, but the second view of Christian faith, the gospel, and what's new about it is that this gratitude that we have because we realize what Jesus has done for us. And let me tell you, it's way better than the second chance gospel. And we try to maintain this gratitude in us. The problem with that is that we're human beings. Human beings live now. And whatever is pressing you now becomes more real than what happened 2,000 years ago. Does, do you, so even if you were full of joy in the beginning, as you progress as a Christian, you, it's harder and harder to maintain this new changed attitude. Things wear, wear off. They, they, it's like a faded glory. You have this, uh, what is it, a brand name for a clothes? Faded glory. That kind of becomes a, I, I, always, I always remember Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. How many of you read Mark Twain, Huckleberry Finn? I, when I was a kid, believe it or not, every, every Russian boy who loves to read, read Mark Twain. And I read, and I remember when Huckleberry Finn was kind of adopted by this uh, rich widow, remember? Her name was Douglas, I think, or something like that. And she tried to civilize him. She tried to, to teach him good habits. She tried to give him some etiquette. And she tried to introduce him to the wonderful world of the Bible. And she started reading stories about Old Testament and Moses and the events of Exodus. And first, Huck was really excited about it. But then he realized it was a long time ago and has nothing to do with his current life. And he said, what the heck? I'm not interested in dead people anymore. Who cares? So that's what happens often to us, not to, the, to this extreme event, to this extreme extent, but still. So... When the time separates us from the time of Jesus and his cross, it becomes difficult to maintain this new hope that we originally got when we heard the gospel. But let me tell you about the third way. And I believe this is the best way to be a Christian. The third way to understand what this new life is all about. And it has everything to do with what Neil and I have been trying to talk to you about. The union with Christ. The union with God himself through Christ. So it's really difficult to talk about it because the human language has a very limited capacity to express that. Apostle John was the one who really tried and succeeded to an extent. And Apostle Paul was another one who really tried and succeeded to an extent. I don't dare to be at their level, but I'll try to use some of their words. So, I want you to see that a man called Jesus, when he came into time and space, he stripped himself of all the glory that he had in the past. He was a genuine man. Some of us are confused because we hear things like Jesus was a, 
you know, fully God and fully man. And we think that he walked on this earth and every once in a while he ex experienced a little bit of human side of existence. He got tired or hungry or upset or whatever. And then he would let divinity shine through him. That's not the case, guys. Every single second of his earthly existence, he existed and lived as a genuine human being. He never, ever used his divinity. So when he, he stripped himself all the, of all the glories of eternity past that he had with the Father, he walked on this earth as a human being, but he was in the, the most intimate union with his Father by faith. In a sense, he obtained this union and communion with the Father by faith and maintained it and passed it on to us as a gift. It's really hard to grasp, but I want you to grasp it. I want you to start getting used to this thinking. The gospel is a good news about new life, and this new life has nothing to do with just you cleaning up yourself. This life is this amazing life that Jesus brought out of eternity past into time and space, fully realized it in time, and passed it on to us as a gift and ushered us right into the middle of that. There's a unique book in the New Testament that gives us a little bit of a revelation into this dynamic. This is the Gospel of John. You probably notice that the Gospel of John is very different. There are three Gospels that are very similar, and one Gospel that is unique. The reason for that is because it's like somebody opens the door, cracks it open just a little bit for you to pick into eternity past that proceeded into time and space, transformed the world, and takes it into eternity future. Does it make sense? Really hard to express it verbally, but it's there. So I'm going to read to you a lot of scriptures from the Gospel of John today. So if you have a desire to read the Gospel of John again, read it from this point of view. Try to see what the author of this gospel and what Jesus is representing. He's walking as a human being who lives by another reality, by faith as a human being. And he manifests this other reality. And he goes through a difficult process. And as a result of this process, he brings you into this reality. And now you become new. You become part of it. You get incorporated into it. You get coexist, co-inhere, co-indwell each other. Human language, you know, falls short of fully expressing it. My goodness, I feel the anointing right now. People just talking about it. It's awesome. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So, Let me try. It's impossible to define the union with God scientifically, but it's possible to try to describe it. That's exactly what the book of John does. So I'll start with the very beginning of the book of John. Chapter 1, verses from 1 to 5. Many of you know it by heart, but I want you to stop and kind of follow a train of thought there. In the beginning, 
And when a Hebrew person would hear these words in the beginning, he would immediately think of the book of Genesis. Because that's how the book of Genesis starts, in the beginning. So, but he's talking about different beginning. He's not talking about the beginning of time and space. He's talking about before that. He's talking about eternity past. So that's the door that is being cracked open for us to peek into it and see something. And let's see what's happening there. In the beginning was the Word. What is the Word? The Word immediately speaks of expressing something internal, externally. It immediately speaks of communion, communication, fellowship, relationship. So open that door and what you see there, you don't see a single deity, almighty, all-powerful. You see dynamic relationship between persons. That's a mystery what Christians it came to be known as Trinity relationship, which is mysterious and hard to speak again. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God in the New Testament is presented as eternal relationship of love. And the good news of the gospel is not about what you can do to make your life better, but it's an invitation and a possibility to be brought right into the middle of this relationship. Do you see how much higher it is than an average view? Here's the cool thing. Let's, let's keep on reading. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Chapter 1, verse 14. And the word, this word, this word that was there in the beginning, this word, listen, it's crazy. This word became flesh. Look, it, it, it's got skin. It's got muscle. It's got bones. It was conceived in a woman's womb. And it, it, it took nine months to develop eternal word that everything that was created was created through became a human fetus. It took time to develop in a, in a woman's womb and then was born and then grew and fed on his mother's milk and grew up as a Jewish boy. That blows my mind, people. Whatever was there in the beginning, in eternity past, in this dynamic relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, took off, the, took off all the glory and became this little human being. Very fragile. And began to grow, began this process. And he had to grow in faith. He had to believe. He had to believe that he came from the Father. He had to believe. By faith, he experienced the love of the Father. By faith, he never doubted the embrace of the Father. By faith, he never doubted that the Father loves him and speaks to him and wants to show him everything. By faith, he had to receive all the 
plans that God for him. By faith, he went and stepped into the ministry. By faith, he got baptized. By faith, he started choosing the disciples by hearing God's voice. By faith, he went to the cross. By faith, he gave his life. He shed his uh, blood. By faith, he died. By faith, he embraced the ultimate separation when he had to say, Father, Father, Eli, Eli, lama savachmani, Father, Father, why have you left me, abandoned me? You know why he did that? He took your abandonment, your alienation from God, your distance. Religion is crap because it's based on the concept of distance between you and God. Listen, if you believe what Jesus has done, he took care of that distance. There's no more distance. There's no more separation. It's a lie. It's an illusion that, that the enemy wants you to believe. So whatever this amazing union that Jesus had with his father as a human being, not as God, has been given to you. And as a result of hearing the gospel and believing the gospel, you've been brought into the middle of that. And just like Jesus walked on this earth, manifesting this reality that's your call that's your calling and my calling believe it or not that is so much higher and that is so much more difficult for me to express in words I'm just scratching the surface of it you are just scratching the surface of it but I'm glad we're scratching the surface because this is the right surface to scratch all right okay Verse 18, no one has ever seen God. No one. You know, when these words were spoken, the Bible was already complete in many ways. It was a very thick book. Well, back then they used scrolls, but it doesn't matter. There were gazillions of words spoken about God, on behalf of God, in the name of God. But this verse says no one knows God except the Son. No one has ever seen God the only God who is at the Father's side. Again, father-son relationship, family relationship. He has made him known. I'll keep on reading verse 9, 10, all the way through, what is it? 13, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's talking about Jesus. This, this Jewish boy, this fetus, this, this Jewish carpenter. We have a carpenter in congregation. <laughs> So there was another one. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. Who were his own? Jewish people. And his own people did not receive him. They did not believe that he was what he claimed to be. But listen, now he's talking about us. He's talking about the new creation reality. He said... He came to his own people, they did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, and that's you guys, that's me. To all who received him, who believed in his name, did you believe in his name? Listen what happened. To those people, he gave the right to become children of God. The same kind of eternal relationship, father, son now becomes yours you know 
somebody may be proclaimed a child of someone else as an act of adoption. And the Bible speaks of adoption as a judicial, legal side of it. But John doesn't want you to believe that you just adopted kid. He talks about, he goes on and he says, he gave the right to become children of God. In verse 13, he says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When you were born of the will of the flesh or of your father, of your mother, you, you inherited a DNA from them. A certain traits, certain nature, the way you look, the way you act, certain things were predetermined. You were predisposed to certain things. When you believed in Jesus, you received a whole new set of DNA. I, I don't know how else to say that. There's a new life, new nature, kainos, not neos, kainos. You're not cleaning yourself up. Something wholly new comes into you. All right. So, and later at the end of his ministry, John and 1 John, he says almost the same thing. I'm going to read it again. Uh, 1 John 3, 1 and uh, 2. See what kind of love the Father has given us. That was all motivated by love relationship. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. Say with me, I am a child of God because of Jesus. Amen. I'm glad you believe that. So children and so we are. The reason why the world doesn't know us is that it did not know him. You see the same stuff, the same dynamic, the same reality is happening. Jesus has come and there was a totally different kind of life in him and some people recognized it and some did not. The same is true about you. There's a whole new reality in you since you became a Christian. It's not a cultural thing. It's not a bumper sticker thing. It's a new reality, new life, new DNA and some will recognize it and some will not. That's okay. You recognize it. I want you to recognize it. No matter what happens, no matter how you act today or tomorrow, I want you to know that if you receive Jesus, you receive this new life, new DNA, new beginning. You're a new creation. Basically, we are... So, well, I, I pretty much said what I wanted to say, but I want to reiterate something. The good news, the gospel of God, is that we get to become part of this union and communion that we read about when we read, read about Jesus, especially in the Gospel of John, that began and originated in eternity past, entered into the world, time, space. You know, to create the world, it took a moment for him. Let it be so, let it be so, let it be so. I don't know, maybe seconds. But when he entered into time, he underwent the long process so in a sense, we stay away from processed food, right? But God decided to become processed so that we can, we can be able to receive Him. And we would be able to be incorporated into Him. It, my language fails me to, to, to speak of those things. The good news is not only that He revealed what kind of unique relationship He always had with the Father. Listen, but rather that He has ushered us into His unique relationship. And I want you to dare, I want you to dare to believe it. I'll read you a few more scriptures because if you read the Gospel of John, you will see this mystery being revealed to you, open to you. 
And that makes Jesus amazing and wonderful and unique. But it's not a great news for you yet because you are not amazing, wonderful, and unique in relation to God. But the good news is that he not only reveals this mysterious relationship that he has with the Father, he shows that the Father's heart's desire has always been to bring you into it. I'll say it again. Not only he reveals this mysterious, amazing relationship of love that existed in eternity past, he reveals that it's his Father's heart's desire to bring you in the middle of that relationship. As one preacher said, you get to be brought into the middle of Twinkie. Seriously. So, <clears throat> if you don't believe me, read the Gospel of John on yourself. And today I'll just read a few verses. First of all, Jesus prayed in, in chapter 17. And here's what he prayed. And he prays seriously. He prays. He pours out his heart in prayer because he knows he's about to go to the cross. Why? Why does he go to the cross? So that your sins are forgiven, of course. But why does he want your sins to be forgiven? Why does he want you to be righteous? Why does he want your righteousness to be reestablished? So that you would be compatible to this union. Do you understand why? It's not for you to be clean for the sake of cleanness. It's for you to be able to, to be bride of Christ. So he's saying in chapter 17, verses 20 to 21... Here's his prayer. He's talking to his father. I do not ask for these only. He's meaning, he's talking about apostles. I do not ask for these only, but I also ask for Penny. I also ask for Dennis. I also pray for Neil Haney. I pray for Lisa. Not only for Peter, John, and these biblical guys. I'm talking about extra biblical guys. I'm talking about Father, I pray for Vineyard Church in Springfield, Ohio in 2022. I pray for every single one of them. I pray for Rob, for Becky. I pray for them. And here's what he's praying about. He's praying that they, I pray for those who will believe in me. I pray so that they may be all be one just as you, Father, are in me. And I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. Listen, friends. This prayer has been answered. Dare to begin to believe it. That you are as one with God as Jesus was. I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds too good to be true. But that's the nature of the good news of the gospel. Last week, Neil, I, and Wes, and Seth, we ministered at Christian Academy. Uh, Emmanuel School. Christian School. And I provoked those kids. It's so difficult to speak to teenagers. They're ultimate poker face kings, you know. <laughs> and you're trying. and the... So we did good. I learned later. But at the end, I really wanted to get them. So I said, guys, I, 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 I want to give you an exercise to, under, to see whether you understand what the gift of grace is. 
for example the gift of righteousness I said can you come to a bathroom or any room in your house privately when there is a mirror look yourself in the eye and honestly sincerely say look in yourself in the eye I am as righteous as Jesus Christ himself and some of those teenagers go no it just tells me they don't believe the good news because they don't understand the gift some of you are shocked when you think that you might be as one with God as Jesus was but let me tell you it's part of the gift of grace that's part of the good news of the gospel and you got to begin to believe it some of you had interesting experience experiences with the Lord some ecstatic experiences some visions some some special encounters and you think that by those you grow you drew near to God you're mistaken you have those experiences because you've been brought into the middle of that Twinkie make sense I, I think I said what I wanted to tell you but I, I hope I shifted something in your brains today that you would start thinking differently when you talk about new life in Christ it's not cleaning yourself up it's not just being grateful although it's wonderful don't stay in the truncated version of the gospel get into the middle of that all right I bless you with this and I hope it becomes a seed that will grow and we brought to fruition in your hearts in Jesus name amen thank you thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.